Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Hashtag Self Care, the podcast. I hope this episode gives you some food for thought when it comes to your own self care. I hope it gives you some breathing space and encourages you to find some much needed time in your own day to look after your own needs. Without further ado, here's the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to the last episode of Hashtag Self Care, the podcast, season one. I went, you know, on a whim with this podcast. I wasn't sure if people were going to be interested in listening to it. I just had an urge from within and I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a second. A really strong urge to do this and to do it in my own way, on my own terms, in a way that felt right for me and I just I suppose I felt on some level that that was going to resonate with people Uh, it's not in a podcast studio it's not very scheduled I don't edit the episodes at all what I record is what goes up it's very low maintenance for me which means that I can commit to it weekly and that's really important to me and I suppose I was a little bit self-conscious when I was thinking about kind of setting up this podcast because I was thinking there's so many podcasts out there and they're just incredible quality and I am such a podcast lover and I love you know some really unique takes on podcasting and the kind of cool intros and outros and people having different guests on every week and I just thought you know what I'm gonna do what I can do with what I have and I'm gonna trust that it'll kind of fall on the ears of the right people so I never intended for this podcast to sound preachy or show-offy or anything like that and I think anyone who listens to this definitely doesn't think that of me because you probably know by now that I am kind of what you see is what you get but for me this podcast is about giving back it's sharing tools it's inspiring people to live their best lives and I really really mean that I don't make a penny from this podcast it's not uh, something I do work-wise it is a labor of love and using the word labor doesn't even seem right because it's not a labor it's a passion project so I just wanted to start by saying thank you for listening and I got the most stunning messages this week every single week I get um, messages about this podcast and they just make me so happy in in ways that I never thought I could feel happy because it is just me and sometimes when you're recording a podcast because it's not a social thing as such like people can't comment under my podcast it's I can see how many people are listening to it and that amazes me but when people take the time to actually message me and tell me that the podcast is affecting their life in a positive way like I can't even put into words what that means. I got two messages in particular this week. Uh, One of them brought me to tears. The other one was fairly close to tears too. And like, there's people listening to my podcast in Abu Dhabi. Like, Abu Dhabi? Really? I'm laughing because I had to just stop recording there because Willow's monitor started beeping. So that'll just show you. It is literally me sitting in my kitchen Um while Willow Knapp's recording this podcast. Anyway, I can't believe that people in Abu Dhabi listen to my podcast and Dubai and America and the UK and it's just crazy, um, but amazing. And how many times in a podcast can I say M? But sure, look, that's me. Anyway, I want to round up season one of my podcast with a kind of a Q&A style thing because people in their messages tend to ask a question. Or tend to say, can you talk a bit more about this? Or would you mind mentioning that? 
And I thought, you know what, I'm going to end season one on episode nine, which to a lot of people might not make sense because it would make sense maybe to end on episode eight or episode 10 next week. But as I said, I'm making my own rules and I want to promote the kind of happiness and self-care that reminds you that you can do that in your life. You can make your own rules when it comes to so many things in your life that you might not even realize. And this is just one of those things. So we're ending on episode nine. I love odd numbers. And this is me answering your questions about, I suppose, a lot of the different topics that I've spoken about in previous podcasts. So I'm going to break it up into kind of categories because a lot of people asked about food and eating and mindful eating. Some people asked about the law of attraction. Some people asked about self-care in general. And then some people kind of asked about mental health. So I've written down all of the questions by hand because I, I wasn't really thinking straight. I was like, how do I look at Instagram and record on my phone? But anyway, I wrote them all down in old fashioned style. And I'm going to start with food because I can smell soup right now and it's on my mind. If you haven't seen my uh, vegetable soup recipe, message me and I'll send it to you because I have finally like cracked the recipe, in my opinion, that tastes like the kind of vegetable soup you get when you're out and about. It's just so good. I've made it every single day this week. Like that's a new record. Five days in a row I've made soup. You might be thinking, why didn't you just make a big pot? It's not the same. It kind of loses its freshness as the days go on, in my opinion. My fridge isn't that big, so I have to transfer it into another container and then I have to wash the pot and wash the pan. You know what? It's so easy. It's so quick. It's Everything's roughly chopped and it is mindful eating, in my opinion, because there's the labour of love. There I go. Labour again. It's the kind of intention of like cutting the veg and putting it in the pot and smelling them, sauteing and releasing all their sweetness and then blitzing them and adding the little knob of butter and salt and pepper. And anyway, it's just delicious and willow eats it too which is unreal anyway so food is on my mind what's new says you I'm going to start with the first question which is how do you stay on the straight and narrow without a diet like slim and world to reference okay so to those of you who don't know this I lost I want to say six stone but it's probably more like five and a bit now um on slimming world but I've made no secret of the fact that I kind of more so did Tracy's world which I joke about, but it's true. I used the principles of the Slimming World plan, which I found invaluable. You know, the whole having one third like veg on your plate and limiting your cheese and milk and kind of focusing more on whole foods and kind of, you know, the roughage that you get with fruit and veg rather than kind of juices and smoothies and stuff that wouldn't have as much satisfaction levels, I suppose. And I loved going to a group every week. For me, that was pivotal being in a room with people who knew how I felt about, you know, all of the ways food was affecting my life, comfort eating, secret eating, not wanting to spend time with people, avoiding social occasions, feeling self-conscious, having no self-confidence in any element of my life and knowing that I was in a non-judgmental environment with people who got it was huge. So it didn't matter whether I was sticking to the plan or not a lot of the time. For me, it was about being in that room and being accepted. So Slimming world for me was invaluable. Now, your slimming world could be Weight Watchers. It could be Unislim. It could be the gym. It could be My Fitness Pal. It could be no plan at all, but just something that helps you structure your day. And that's the point I kind of wanted to make. So I definitely thrive on a structure when it comes to food. And I don't mean, this might seem a little bit like the opposite of mindful eating, but it really isn't. So when I say structure, I'm talking about having 
again, I don't want to use the word rules, but having boundaries between me and certain behaviors around food because for me the way I approach food is very much a reflection of the way I'm approaching myself at any particular time if I am eating in a toxic manner eating mindlessly comfort eating secret eating that is very much a reflection of what's going on in my life at the moment and I actually now use food as the first way of changing that in my life rather than the other way around so in my past life I would have used how I feel to kind of dictate what I ate now I use what I eat to dictate what I feel and it's been huge for me. So to answer your question, I don't feel I miss Slimming World. I do feel I gained a huge amount of knowledge and help and just so much information about nutrition. And then obviously I went on to become a Slimming World consultant, so I learned a lot there as well. But I will say I also did learn a lot about food that I kind of did resent in a small way so I got a little bit into limiting and a little bit into deprivation into good bad on plan off plan black and white and life is not black and white it's gray and it helped me in so many ways but a lot of my healing came afterwards I feel so I don't miss the plan I am very grateful for the experience it got me started hugely I got to help a lot of people when I was a Slimming World consultant and that felt amazing and I learned a lot of really cool recipes and a lot about myself but ultimately I need balance. I need to not feel like I'm within the realms of a strict plan but that I can dictate my own sense of balance and that changes week to week. So some weeks I will be more mindful of certain elements of my, my diet. I might kind of want to up the veg, up the water, up the activity other weeks I might want to try new recipes, other weeks I want I might want to take it back to basics, but I use my feelings in terms of how I want to feel as a guide. So if I'm not feeling great, the first thing I look at is my food. Okay, how can I proactively take a step towards feeling better? And then I sort of plan the next couple of days and what kind of way I'm going to eat. And it really, really helps me. So I don't miss the plan, but I'm really grateful for the tools that it did introduce me to. So the next question is someone looking for advice on secret eating. They don't know how to kind of stop doing it and it's really impacting their life in a negative way. Okay, first of all, you're not alone. The amount of people that listen to this podcast that are secret eating, are comfort eating, are using food as a crutch and feel out of control is phenomenal. So first of all, you're not alone. You need to know that because I remember when I was secret eating, I definitely felt like I was the only person in the world that had such a toxic relationship with food and that made me feel so much worse because I couldn't open up about it and if you can't open up about it you can't look for help and I really do believe in the power of like safety in numbers so you're not alone I know how you feel there's nothing to be ashamed of and ultimately you are a victim in this situation but we're going to change that now first of all for me personally I definitely needed some professional help. I think I didn't start counselling particularly to change my eating habits. I didn't really think I had a, in inverted commas, problem at that time. I just thought food was part of the package of me and I was just a really weak person who was destined for failure and destined for feeling crap about who they were on the inside, on the outside and everything in between. And I was in counselling like to try and feel happy, but I never really saw food as part of the puzzle and Little did I know it was the biggest part of the puzzle. It was my vice. It was my addiction. It was my drug of choice. 
completely, utterly addicted to the high that food gave me. The ultimate escapism. And that's probably what's going on for you. So first of all, I would recommend thinking about maybe going to some kind of counselling or even to some kind of professional that deals with this. Um, Somebody messaged me during the week actually talking about OA, Overeaters Anonymous. I don't feel I can really talk about it because I don't really know much about it. That's the truth. But she basically said to me, please, can you mention this on your platform? Because I don't think a lot of people realize that OA is a thing, that there is so much free support out there. So Overeaters Anonymous must be free. Again, don't quote me. I don't really know the details, but it might be worth Googling today. It sounds like something I probably would have benefited from because like sometimes the problem for me with Slimming World was the money, um, even though I was happily spending double the amount on takeaways. But anyway, that was just my way of rationalizing why I didn't want to go. But I think if something was free, it might have appealed to me more. So maybe look into that. And then I would really recommend looking at what it is you're trying to escape because... Uh, First of all, the whole problem with secret eating is that it's a limiting belief. So somewhere in your mind, you have decided that the way you're eating is too shameful to do in public, but it's giving you too much of a high, like to just walk away from it because it's probably right now feeling like the best thing in your life. And I get that. I felt that 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 way too. I was like living for my next binge. And there was almost a playful element. It was like, hee hee, nobody knows what I'm doing, but I know. So I would be telling everybody, like shouting from the rooftops, that I was, you know, on this diet and trying to lose weight and like diets just don't work for me and look at the way I eat. Sure, you see the way I eat. These are the kind of things that I heard a lot in my Slim World class as well and could relate to on such a profound level because I had spoken that language for so many years. And what what, what somebody needs when they're in that experience is they need empathy. You know, they, they don't need judgment. They need empathy, they need compassion and they need love and they need help. So first of all, you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. But it is a behavior that you're not happy with. So for me, secret eating would very much have gone in hand with, with binging because I would never have binged in public. Like, let's be honest. A lot of my binging happened in my bedroom. Sounds dirty, but it did. The whole like hiding all the packets of crisps under my bed, well, the wrappers, you know, I used to even do this crazy thing when I was a kid. Um, like, I'm just remembering it now. Like, in the utility room, my mom had all the crisps. So there'd be, like, you know, a 12-pack of multi-pack of crisps or whatever. And there was five kids in my house. So, you know, there would be, like, enough packets for everyone to have one or two max in the week or whatever. Until she had to buy more. But I had this really clever plan. And I thought I could outsmart my mom. Where I would open one packet of crisps. And then I would, you know, they're kind of half full. I would open another packet, often in a different flavor, because the issue was I wanted prawn cocktail, but I also wanted um, salt and vinegar. And I would add the other packet into the first packet. So I have an overflowing, full to the brain packet of crisps, but I would be walking around the house with one packet of crisps, dying for people to notice that I was eating one packet of crisps, feeling giddy about the fact that I was conning everybody. And it just hurts my heart to think about that. Because that's where the behavior started for me. It was like a weird game of emotional monopoly with myself. And it's weird because you can almost understand that because it's a child. But I did that very same thing as an adult. I remember doing the same thing, you know, in the um, years that I worked in the Olympia Theatre. I used to go into the centre on Dame Street and i get a packet of crisps and another packet and add them together really quickly, really discreetly. Or I remember one time having a double cheeseburger in my pocket, walking down Grafton Street, you know, trying to find a time to quickly eat it where no one saw me and feeling weirdly ashamed slash giddy that I had a burger in my pocket and nobody knew. 
And I might have had an Instagram page at the time that was like trying to promote weight loss or trying to like raise money for, I think it was the Children's Medical and Research Foundation. Tracy's 70 pound weight loss challenge. I was talking one talk and I was walking another walk. But the shame for me was in the secret. Um, it was my dirty little secret. But it didn't serve me. I mean, we know that, you know that. It, it doesn't make it easy to walk away from. My advice would be to really look at what it is that's feeding you in that situation. And I do mean the pun in a sense because obviously it's feeding you but what is that experience feeding you emotionally because for me it was it was a high that I was craving in other areas of my life it was fulfillment it was excitement it was acceptance it was joy it was exhilaration and I was getting all of that from food and nowhere else in my life so I thought well I'm gonna go where I get that feeling and I got that feeling from food amazingly in those moments you forget that with that relationship also comes the massive low afterwards you know when you feel crap about the binge or the secret eating and then you beat yourself up and you almost enjoy kicking yourself when you're on the floor I distinctly remember part of my beating myself up was being annoyed at my body for being full because now I had to stop eating and I was getting so much joy from the eating that now I had to stop because my body was telling me it was so full that I was going to get sick so I at least had to wait for the feeling of nausea to pass until I could shove more food in again and get that joy and then the joy would be followed by shame and then the shame would be followed by more comfort eating and what do you do to get away from the shame of comfort eating you turn to your vice and your vice is food and then it's an endless cycle that just doesn't stop and it's exhausting what I will say to you is definitely consider some professional help because you won't know yourself you really won't there are counsellors psychotherapists and everything in between that can really help you overcome it and CBT is something I wish I had of pursued at a young age so it's cognitive behavioral therapy it basically helps you break cycles and kind of the the way you approach a particular uh, situation situation and the way you kind of default in a particular scenario and helps you change your process and the way you react to it definitely would have served me well food wise Um, I've often thought about going back not for reasons of you know eating but for different reasons in my life so CBT is something I would definitely recommend also really look at the amount of other opportunities in your life to feel joy that don't concern food because when you find those you realize that actually food is just one of the ways in your life that you can feel exhilarated and joy and you know find other ways of switching off I downloaded audible I listen to ebooks now I love my baths I love my bath bombs I love lighting my incense I love watching selling sunsets on Netflix I love fresh air I love peppermint tea I love jigsaw puzzles and I love longer showers. There are so many opportunities to feel joy in your life. And they don't need to be in secret. You deserve to feel joy in a way that's not a secret. That's not something that is associated with shame. Because in the same breath you're feeling the best moment of your life. And then the worst moment of your life within a minute of each other. You can do this. You've got this. And there is a better life out there for you. You just need to unlock it. But you're not broken you're not a lost cause and I promise you you will never look back once you start to address it um okay food self-sabotage uh, someone asked about self-sabotage I've I've already touched on that um someone asked about comfort eating I again I've already touched on that so I'm not going to go into that again in this particular podcast um but someone did ask how do you go from one life routine to another with um mindful eating that's a really good question um I suppose when you start to see the benefits of a new routine and a new way of approaching food, it kind of does that for you. So I don't know if that's a good way of answering the question, but it's a bit like 
you need to dip your toe in the water and feel the sensation before you're interested enough to kind of commit. So I would say give it a go and start with one little routine or one little behavior. For me, when my eating starts to kind of go by the wayside and I start to sort of not look after myself in the right ways and like I start to kind of maybe meander down the road of thinking about comfort eating or I start to kind of like binge a little bit in the evenings or whatever if I start to see my my food kind of going a bit pear-shaped if you will I look at habits and for me it's all about habits so I get into the habit of having three or four treats in the evening or I get into the habit of you know not making kind of my own sauces and buying jars because I've had a busy week I get into the habit of skipping breakfast and then having a high sugar treat in the late afternoon when I kind of inevitably slump in my energy levels I get into the habit of having you know the bigger packet of crisps instead of the kind of lower calorie packet of crisps that work better for me and my goals so for me it's about breaking the habits in a positive proactive way so instead of saying on Monday I am going to change all of my food habits. I'm going to eat seven and or eight different fresh fruit and vegetables a day. I'm going to have seven pints of water. I'm going to go for a five kilometer run. Then I'm going to meditate. Then I'm going to make some fresh juice, like really unrealistic, super exciting, super positive, but not sustainable changes. Overwhelming. Will be grey crack for a few days. And then you'll go, cannot sustain this. And you'll probably feel like a failure, which is going to make you feel so much worse than you did before you wanted to make the positive change. My advice is break it down into small achievable habit changing goals. So rather than making a goal of next week, I am going to have a perfect food week. I would say next week, I'm going to work on this particular habit, which is in the evening time, I've noticed I'm having, this is actually me last week, I'm having popcorn, a bar of chocolate, a handful of jellies, and a yogurt and actually I want to get back to having one treat and a cup of tea in the evenings that's one habit to address you don't need to address them all in one go and when you start to address a particular habit and you kind of come out the other side the sense of satisfaction and the sense of pride you'll have in yourself will keep you going into the next week and then you you look at another habit and it could be I'm not having breakfast I've noticed that's becoming a problem for me and I'm binging then in the late afternoon on sugar Uh, next week every single day I'm going to make overnight oats in the evening time so that when I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling kind of lacking in motivation and a bit like oh meh I have overnight oats in the fridge that's another habit another positive habit that you've turned upside down and welcomed into your life a lot of it for me is the language that I use around food it's you know my limiting belief in the past was that in order to lose weight you need to you know give up all the food that you love and then you need to kind of replace it with boring food like dry salad but you'll get the results and it'll be great but you you have to accept that you're not going to enjoy your food that was never going to roll with me so use really positive language so like next week I'm going to really try and address this particular habit because it's not serving me it doesn't feel good what is the reason you've come to even consider a new routine I would ask yourself that question uh, because I think when you really look at it as a proactive life change, that is a choice for you, that nobody is telling you to do, that society isn't telling you to do, that there are so many benefits specifically for you. You start to look at it as a tool and as a really empowering move on your part rather than something that you feel you have to do. 
So you're not jumping from one lifestyle to another. That's too overwhelming. You're taking step to, steps towards a new kind of lifestyle that is going to benefit you in so many ways. And that's the way I would look at it. Use pod, positive language. You're not kind of, uh, what's the word? You're not like, I, I, to use an example, if I had a bad week years ago or a bad weekend, I would feel like I needed to really limit the food I ate the following week because I had to balance things and I I sort of rationalized in that way what I was doing was I was punishing myself punishing myself for choices that I made so instead now I say I make my choice I stand by my choice and I have a new choice today will my choice be you know steeped in self-care and self-love and being kind to my body or will it be steeped in like a negative emotion or a negative behavior like punishment I mean who wants any more punishment in their lives who wants to be the giver of punishment to themselves that is bleak it's grim so now I use positive language and I feel like it just it really really helps it needs to come from a place of self-love self-care this is for me and nobody else yes people will benefit from it yes I might find it easier to conceive a baby yes you know my family will be thrilled for me but it's for you and nobody else. And you don't have to answer to anybody else. And I think that's huge. I can't believe I'm already like 25 minutes in and I haven't even touched on the rest of the stuff. So I'm going to just move away from food and I'm going to move on to the law of attraction and manifestation. Okay, so how do I manage to stay so positive during COVID and things that I can't control? Okay, really good question. That is something that I do struggle with. And that's important for me to know, to kind of mention I am not someone who's positive 24 hours a day. I think the reason why I set up this podcast is because I wanted to share it from the perspective of somebody who is very normal and and does have a very normal life. We're working class people. We get good news and bad news during the week, just like you do. Um, Like, I'm a very normal person. I have my bad days. I definitely have more good days than bad days now because I have tools. And that's, again, something I want to pass on to you guys. It's all about having your tools in the bag. So I definitely struggled during lockdown, March, April, May, big time. Routine went out the window. We were in the one like room in the kitchen trying to be a teacher, an employee, a wife, a mother, a friend, and also like a chef and a cleaner. And it just couldn't work. Like everybody, we found our routine. Now, Peter works upstairs in one of the bedrooms. We have a little kind of office space. Well, it's an office space, like there's a table and a chair and that's, and a bed. Um, Thankfully, Billy has no homework now, which is great, but he's back in school, which is fantastic because I get the time to do things like this. Um, I had to find my way. I had to do a lot of soul searching. I had to really kind of examine the bad feelings and the bad weeks and really challenge myself to look at what I can control in a situation that very much feels out of control. And I'm still having to do that daily. For me, it's about finding the joy in the little things. Like I so look forward to like my cup of tea in the afternoon or my, you know, watching my program in the evenings or my bath on a Friday night. Little, small, realistic kind of tangible goals and checkpoints that keep me going throughout the day. I need to keep my positive vibe going because it brings more good into my life. And I know that so clearly now. So that kind of motivates me. So when you start to think differently and you start to practice the law of attraction or you start to practice really giving a positive attitude, a good go, and you start to see results, it quickly becomes your default. 
it doesn't mean you don't have bad weeks, but it just means like when you do have a good week, you kind of go, oh my God, I forgot that last week. I I keep forgetting this. And I, I, you know, the universe has my back and I need to just notice the good around me. So what I would say is it's less about trying to control everything on the outside and it's more about digging deep and looking on the inside and really trying to control what comes from you and what you can bring to the table and what you are responsible for. Like I'm not responsible for deciding what the government has to decide this week. So I try not to talk too much about what decisions they're making and stuff because it gets in on me. It's stressful. I take the information and I say, okay, what can I control in this situation? What's going to serve me? And a lot of that is avoiding media. That does stress me out. I don't watch the news. And some people in my life are like, why don't you watch the news? You have a responsibility to know what's going on in the world. I know what's going on in the world. It's coming at me from so many different angles. But I don't need to keep steeping myself in it. I don't need to bathe in it. Because it gets me down. And then what do I do? I put more negativity out to the world. And that's not going to help anybody. So I have a job to protect my family, protect my own mental health and keep going. And part of that is avoiding certain media, certain people and certain environments that trigger me. And creating as many little positive moments in my day that I can. A lot of the time they're little rituals, as I said, like my cup of tea and my treat, like my morning walk, my shower, opening my windows in the morning, letting the light in. Small, realistic things that just help me break up my day and welcome as much literally light as I can. Um, do I have any examples of things that have manifested? <laughs> yeah, loads. Like, I mean, I'm going to just tell you the one from this week because it's just on my mind. So I got coffee last week, a coffee that I've never tried before. And I said to Peter, oh, that's the kind of coffee that you need one of them machines for. Like, do we still have that AeroPress thing? He was like, oh, I don't think so. Don't know where it is. I said, okay, I'm going to buy myself one of those French press things, you know, a cafetiere, whatever you call it. And yeah, I was like, you know what? It's not that much money. And it's like a low cost item that's going to be like high value for me in terms of what it's going to do for me on the daily. So between the jigs and the reels, I didn't get to buy it this week. And yesterday my doorbell rang and I got a press drop, which is part of what I do. It's part of, you know, having a blog. And I was so delighted, but got an unexpected press drop from a PR company that had my address from working with a different brand. And it was a luxury coffee set. And one of the things in the coffee set was a French press cafetiere. And it is the same color as my kettle and my toaster in my kitchen. And I actually started shouting. I was like, I called Peter downstairs. I was like, Peter, oh my God. Like, I didn't make the PR company have the idea to send me that French press. It it doesn't work like that. I didn't create that PR campaign plan in their office. But what I did was I thought about the cafetiere at the start of the week. And for me, it was a little nod from the universe that I'm on the right path. And that the way I'm thinking at the moment is, is keeping me in flow. It's keeping me on the vibration, and on the wavelength that welcomes the kind of life I want to live into my world. And it was such a tangible but small example of an item that I literally thought about on a Monday and the universe delivered it to me on a Thursday. There's one example. Another time I had seen a, a, a jumper on Rosie Connolly and I loved it. And I remember thinking, God, she's someone I really admire. She's this really positive person that I just look up to. She's a businesswoman. She's a great mum. I actually know her personally. And I was really working on myself that week and trying to get into a positive frame of mind. And I remember like turning a corner and seeing that exact jumper on sale in H&M but the point was I was never meant to walk down the street that day we couldn't get parking around the corner we had to park somewhere else we ended up walking by H&M by mistake 
And I saw the jumper on sale. It was on sale for eight euro. I think she'd bought it for 30. I went straight in and bought it. And now I associate that jumper in my life as a positive tool. It's like, I even say it, when I wear this jumper, good things happen. It just keeps me in that positive vibration. It just makes me giddy. Like when it comes out of the wash and I like, I'm folding it up or hanging it up in my wardrobe, I get giddy. It's a positive, like association for me and it's the same when I see certain numbers when I see 11 11 and when I see a robin or a feather it just for me is a reminder from the universe that I am on the vibration that is working for me and that the universe has my back and that good things are coming my way that's just two examples I also manifested my wedding on don't tell the bride yes I had to apply for don't tell the bride but that's the point I wanted to make. Manifestation and the law of attraction is not about thinking your way into what you want. It's feeling your way into what you want, but also taking inspired action. My inspired action was applying for Don't Tell the Bride, but I manifested it because for years I used to imagine getting married and Don't Tell the Bride. Wouldn't it be gas? Wouldn't it be hilarious? I could totally see us on that. Imagine how funny that would be. That was the manifestation. That was the creation. I put my order in and the universe delivered because I applied and we got chosen. It involves action on your part. It's like losing weight. You can't think your way into a different body or a different status of health. You need to take positive steps towards actually achieving those goals. But so much of the process is about feeling the feelings of having the thing before it comes into your life. Because you're already feeling the joy before it gets there. And then when you're feeling the joy, you're on that positive vibration and you attract more people, circumstances and things that kind of get you there in the express route that's the way I would describe it um do I journal I do you know what I I don't physically journal at the moment but writing is my jam I adore writing so that's why I love Instagram it's why I set up my blog seven years ago it's why I'm a writer it's why I studied English in college it is such an outlet for me I think it's so powerful when I'm writing or like when I was studying in school I talk as I'm writing so what I'm writing I actually say out loud And that has become such a tool for me in my life. When I'm writing my to-do list, I say it out loud as I'm writing it. And again, it affirms it. It puts it out there in a more powerful way that these are the things I want to get done for me, for a reason, to make my day better, to make our life better. I haven't journaled in ages, but my sister bought me the most amazing elephant diary and I am going to use it to start journaling this week. So your question really helped me decide that so thank you but I really believe in journaling and getting it out of there when you get it out of your head and get it onto a piece of paper I think amazing things happen but I think a lot of the time it's the ritual of actually writing the words really affirming them to yourself and just putting them out there it's so 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 powerful um, I'm going to answer one more question and then I'm going to stop because this is already like 33 minutes um, do I look back on what I've achieved and really kind of take note and appreciate it not enough and that's just me being honest and that's something else I'm really working on this week gratitude is such a huge part of welcoming more good things into your life if you don't appreciate what you have now how on earth do you think you're going to appreciate it like when the next good things happen look at your life now even if you're living in a home that you're not happy in find something about the home or the environment or the area or the people something that you love and really focus on that Because if you're not appreciating what you have now, you're just not going to get more of what you want. It's the same with people. If there's toxic people in your life, if there's people that are just bringing you down, find something about them that you do like. Find some way of positively interacting with them. Because if they're people that are sticking around, then you want to make sure that that transaction and that relationship isn't lowering your vibration. Gratitude is huge. 
if you're in the beginning stages of trying to work the law of attraction and really welcome good into your life and, and, and change the way you think and change your limiting beliefs, start with gratitude, start with what you have. I say the very same thing about weight loss, about weight gain, about changing your body. I could not have gotten to where I am now without loving my body as it was. My body gave me Billy. My overweight 16 stone body gave me Billy. The best thing that ever happened to me. How could I not love my body back then? How? I don't love my body any more now than I did back then. I appreciate the size clothes I can wear now. I feel more confident. I feel healthier. But love is not a conditional thing. Your children won't love you anymore when you lose weight or your children won't love you anymore when you live in a nicer house or they go to a better school or you have a better car or you have another baby. Their love is unconditional for you. Your own self-love needs to be the same. It shouldn't have a condition about like an area you live in or having a mortgage or having another baby or getting married or a better job. So start with the basics. Start with gratitude and self-love and watch the magic happen. If you can wake up in the morning and look at yourself and say, this is my, this is my lot right now. This is my body. This is my house. This is my family. This is my job. This is my home. This is my reality. And I have so much to be grateful for. It doesn't mean that you're saying that there's not better out there for you. It doesn't mean that you're saying that you don't have goals and that you're not going to work towards them. It just means that you're saying, I appreciate what I have now. And I am going to appreciate the next stage of wonderful things that are going to come into my life. And I think that's the problem. A lot of us are addicted to reporting on all the things that we don't like. Because we think somehow if we keep reporting on them, it's going to kind of like scare them away. It's the opposite. The more we talk about them, the more we're going to let them hang around. And the more we're going to get that type of thing in our life. So for me, it's about really appreciating what I have on a really big level and it's been 37 minutes I did not expect like lads I got so many questions I'm so grateful for all the questions and for all the people listening to this podcast but I am conscious of the fact that any moment now my little man is going to come in the door and I've made a pot of soup and I bought fresh Vienna roll from Super Value <laughs> and I'm going to butter it now and we're going to all have lunch together as a family and that's just one example of a little ritual that I started just this week because I'm a constant work in progress, just like you. Be your own project, you know, make a project plan like you would something in work and start now. Let self-love and self-care be the absolute epicenter of your world and watch how much happier your life will be and how much happier your kids, your husband, your employer, your friends, everyone in between will be because they will get the best of you. And just try a new way of thinking. Just try it. But remember, you have to ask for what you want, but you have to expect that you're going to receive it as well. So act like it's already here. If it's a car, buy yourself keyring. If it's a house, buy yourself cushions. If it's a baby, buy the folic acid now. Behave like the universe has already delivered because trust me, it's on its way to you and I couldn't be happier for you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This is me rounding up season one and I am really excited for season two and just thank you thank you thank you and that is all we have for this week I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and took something positive from it and I really really look forward to catching up with you next week when we have another episode coming your way and another opportunity to help prioritize your own self-care speak to you then guys bye